Every man wants a battle to fight, a beauty to rescue, and an adventure to live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by Dave Living Large Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? Nice. You saw my t-shirt. I saw your t-shirt. Hey, and you'll notice that my video hasn't completely died because I'm using my church Wi-Fi and not my home Wi-Fi. Oh, nice. I got mine yeah. all fixed up. They came out and got us all hooked up now, so I'm not having any more problems. And Ugh. But... Pretty much all my t-shirts say live large on them right now. And my family what? all makes fun. They make fun of me for them. What now? Is this a like a, a sporting uh, men's yeah, it's a, double it's XL a, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a weight left lifting brand. But um, the, the truth is when I find a t-shirt I like, because I consider my life uniform, shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, that I buy like four of them. So I literally have four of this this red, exact same red t-shirt. <laughs> I, buy, I buy them to the point of my wife getting annoyed and then i stop so i remember one christmas my mom i was like 19 i had just come home from my freshman year franciscan my mom liked those those pullover like sweater things that have like the little zipper collar you know it was like a polo shirt with a zipper i love my mom bought me five of them all in different colors (laughs) but the exact same thing and I looked at it and I said, can I just pick one and take the rest back? And she's like, <gasps> and I was like, wait, it's the same thing. And then she's like, no, it's, oh, yeah, you're right. It is. I I used to be so, yeah. What, I, then I became he, an old man. Yeah. Then I became an old man. And I'm like, well, here's four shirts. Here's three T-shirts. Repeat, repeat. Yeah. Oh, wait, you, you, you mean you used to be kind of trendy or what? Uh, never trendy, but I liked variety. Now I oh, don't care okay. at all about variety. Okay. And I don't even own a pair of jeans. Is that weird? I yeah. ripped my jeans from. Wait, why we'll do say, you not have jeans? That's well, I ripped my jeans. What? Because I wear business clothes, man. I'm oh, biz. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I got my business slacks. Son. Do you know that, that even, even at the parish, I very often wear shorts and a t-shirt. If I don't I, have meetings, I go I, in shorts and a t-shirt. Unless you're <laughs> moving furniture or emptying out a youth ministry closet. I would have disciplinary action against you, sir. Against me? I can't yeah. believe no one has yet. <laughs> I, I mean, it is, it's kind of like the thing. I was like, I'm just going to see if I can do this or not. You know? Yeah, let's see how so, far we can go. I did a conference yeah. once where I wore a polo shirt and I tucked it into gym shorts. No one said anything. That's, halfway that's through the conference, awful. Halfway through the conference, I go, how come no one's made a comment about my wardrobe? And they were like, oh, we were giving you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. <laughs> oh, man, that's awful. Like, how long can I ride this wave? Right, right. Uh yeah, but we should get into a real topic instead we of should. just the the life, the crazy <laughs> life of Gomer and Dave. Um we have a good email today and I'm sure it's uh it's it, well it is it's just one of the ongoing issues of the church and that is engaging men in the church. Yeah. Um so Dante writes, uh hi Mike and Dave, hope you're doing well. We are. Thank you, Dante. First, I want to thank you for the work you do through Every Knee Shall Bow podcast. Listening every week and taking the practical takeaways to heart has helped me tremendously in my faith life. That's great. Over the past year or so, I have made myself more available to God, asking how I can serve him. I now help with a few of the ministries within the parish. And in the fall, I will be starting a Master's of Arts program online. As I've gotten more and more involved in my parish, it has become noticeable that we are failing to engage adult men 
particularly men ages 30 to 60 before the pandemic hit. We had before the pandemic hit, we had discussed doing some things to build relationships like having weekly open gym where guys could play basketball together or theology on tap. It will likely be a while before we can get together in groups for many social activities. I was wondering if you had any advice on how to reach those men as we return to our churches, though slowly, slowly and cautiously. Thanks and God bless you. God bless you. Um, this is, I mean, this is a perennial problem of the church. I would Absolutely. say, um, Absolutely. it's, you know, and at least probably at least the last hundred years, I would guess. Um, I don't know for sure, but I, I would guess that that's the case that we have a major issue engaging men. Um, and I do have some thoughts on it. I don't, I, I, I will say that I, I am not an expert on men's ministry. You know, I would say 90% of the people who come to my talks and things like that are middle-aged women. So, um, so it's like the opposite of that. Oh, but 90, 98% of the people who populate the church go on. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so I would say this, that we did have some se- success with, uh, the things that you were talking about, like open gyms, theology on taps, things like that. And what I did a lot of at my old parish was things that we called like half secular events. <laughs> and what we would do is, um, we would bring in some kind of a speaker or a program that would appeal to people who were even, they, they weren't even looking for anything um, Christian in any way, right? Anything religious in any way. So an example of an event like this would be, um, I think I've talked about this guy before. One of the Pittsburgh Steelers here in Pittsburgh is like a super Catholic guy. He's like seven feet tall, 400 pounds, was an army ranger, won the like silver cross, all this kind of stuff, you know? And, um, just so happens, like, he's not just a good Catholic, like he's a super well-educated Catholic and that's awesome. Yeah. Speaks like five languages. We'll quote like Pope John Paul and von Balthazar and all these. So he's like a for real guy. Um, so like what we did is we had him come in and speak at our parish and uh, which it's not like everybody can just pull somebody off the shelf like that. But we were able to have him come in and speak at our parish and it attracted so many men because Pittsburgh is obsessed with the, the Steelers. OK, um, now I have to say, like, I would never have gone to an event like that. I just wouldn't like even though I like to watch a good football game, I, I don't know the names of anyone. I'm not a fan of anyone. I just. I just really like to see a good football game. So there are men that you're not going to reach for that. And there are even men who I realize now who are a little bit turned off by hyper-masculine events. So, yeah. you, so you're, so you're going to have to like kind of offer a, a, a range of things, but I think starting with basketball is not a bad idea uh, because uh, if, if you don't know it, I, the only reason I know this is because at my old parish, somehow something happened where I got in charge of scheduling the gym. And there is a premium on gym time in our in our country. Like gyms are in high demand. And so men were constantly calling us to ask if their men's group could play basketball at the gym. So it's not a bad idea to open it up. It will fill up. I would say this. If you have a priest who's comfortable around men, you're 50% of the way there. Uh, it, it can be very much that a priest just gets more comfortable around women because that's who they're around all the time. But if you have a a priest who can go and kind of yuck it up with the guys, you're 50% there because guys, 
Uh, men want to trust the person and know that that person is an actual human being, right? That the person behind the collar is an actual human being, that he can talk to them, all those kinds of things. So I, I would encourage you to kind of go down that path that you're leaning into, having some th things that would be like, um, you know, quintessential man events, I guess I would say. But didn't um, you do like a beer and barbecue thing? A beer and I did. I did. I did cigars and saints. I did cigars. Yeah, and, and didn't saints. like one of your parishioners. You told the story where one of your parishioners didn't know who you were and was like, "Got all this stupid oh, discipleship yeah. stuff." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at, that was at the Steeler event. Actually, he came up and he oh, was like, "Because awesome. I did a barbecue before." And he came up and he said, hey, thanks so much for doing this. I said, oh, you're welcome. He said, we used to have a really great men's group here, but that was before, and he used air quotes. He goes, that was before our parish decided we needed to discover Christ and gain life in the spirit. He had no <laughs> idea that I put on those programs. So so I, so I, I mean, it is, but that's a good sign, right? I mean, that's a good sign that you're getting people to the church that you wouldn't normally get there. I would also really, if I were you, um, I would start working with smaller groups of men and and really doing a good job of trying to form them and form them not just as disciples but as missionary disciples because it's going to be man to man right that's that's the way it's going to work uh as far as growth and discipleship among men in your parish go over what, what are your thoughts okay so let me let me throw out a challenge to you Dave I'm gonna push back yeah, against good. your life in the spirit seminars. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Half secular events. I know what you're saying. Use a thing that everyone in whatever group you're trying to reach would find appealing. Bring them in. Pitch them the gospel and that. Oftentimes, though, that, that can have a tendency to lead to a worldly or secular Christianity. You know what I mean? It, sure. Where it's, it's not necessarily I'm reaching you where you're at. It's I'm dumbing down the church to be this thing that it's not a carnal Christianity, if you will. Sure. How would you avoid that pitfall? Well, first of all, I'd be super strategic about it. So yeah. like, like, let's say, let's say that the half secular event we were going to do is Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey. Okay. Mm -hmm. We would never plan Financial Peace University without a plan to get them into something like discovering Christ from that. So we Beautiful. would, so, so it's always a springboard. Now, you know, you read a book like Simple Church, and it's pretty compelling. I mean, it is very compelling. And yeah, you know, I've talked to like you know, you, you and I talk a lot about Carol Brown and stuff like that. And she she's pretty critical of like doing too much at a parish. And I understand that. But I found this about parish ministry that every time I did a different kind of event at a different time at a different day, I got different people. And so I, yeah. it, to me, it's like sales, right? They say you need seven touches before you're going to get a sale. That's mm -hmm. the way I looked at it is I wanted to, I wanted to get more touches with my parishioners, you know? Uh, I think what you said is a priest who's comfortable with men, you're already halfway there, um, is very powerful because um, you would think that priests would be very comfortable with men because they're in seminary. It's an all it literally is an ontologically masculine vocation. And yet you find the priests who are working in parishes, most parish staffs, if the church is big enough to have a staff, are composed of women whose husbands have the full-time job, who make the majority of the money. Because most lay people working in the church until fairly recently, if you didn't work for uh, you know, like a uh, movement. 
you were largely just a, a part-time employee, right? And so it was often volunteers who then became employees. And so the priests were always surrounded by women from the, the housekeepers at the rectory to their parish secretary. I was talking with the priest in England and he's like, you know, I'm a brand new ordained priest. I will, n I have never seen a church that has more than two staff members. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a, I, I'm the vicar and I have a full-time administrative person and I have a part-time faith formation person and that's it. And so um, wow. oftentimes here in America, they're just surrounded by women that it becomes a comfort zone. That's all we're saying is a comfort zone. But I, I don't know if you know this. Did you know? Did you know? I learned this from N.T. Wright, famous biblical scholar, Anglican church. He talked about why is the church almost always skewed feminine? He said in the Roman Empire, right, all the way days of the Roman Empire, women were so little valued except as potential, you know, future brides to a more wealthier family. They were so little valued that many of them were uh, discarded and Christians took them in or Christianity essentially gave them dignity. Even the patricians, even the noble women, that they've had a place, an ontological place in the grand scheme of, of salvation. And many women converted. And here was the crazy thing. The men who didn't convert married converted women right. in the Roman right. Empire. And it's, it was essentially uh, a huge amount of conversion via marriage, which we still have that going on today. But um, that's why there is so much. I mean, the ancient historical roots as to why certain things in certain aspects of church life, even though it's open to both, can seem so female dominated. Um, but another thing I would say is, uh, so I do an exclude. I think exclusive things work well. I think if you have a men's group, that enables that that takes a certain amount of pressure out. You have a women's group, a men's group. It yeah. enables certain types of conversations to be had. Right. Um, right. You have if you have a good men's group, you'll have young men who will come just if they're being honest, seeking a mentor who's older. You know, I joined a men's Bible study where the median age was like sixty-eight, and okay. I just wanted mentors. You know, I wanted men who came out who are all empty nesters came out on the other side of this thing called fatherhood with their faith intact and they were still married. And I was like, how do you do that? Um, and it was stuff like that that was really powerful. So at my church, we do That Man Is You. We have Acts men's retreats in English and Spanish. Um, we have a, an, uh, a men's prayer ministry that meets in the church. We have a faithful fathering group, which Ooh, meets. Cool. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It, it can be powerful. Some of our groups, the one guy said to me, this guy, he's a guy that I'm like working on. His comment was, ah, it's like a knitting circle. It's just a bunch of men talking about their problems. And uh, <laughs> that's the only danger with small groups, right? Is yeah, oh yeah. Oh, Catholicism yeah. becomes a thing that exists only in your head, right? I hear a talk, I discuss it in small group, then I go back to my secular life. Um, but also we do that man as you in a very big way. And that pulls in a lot of guys. And a lot of yeah. it is geared towards husbands and fathers, like some of the teachings are from that perspective. Not always. They're revamping their curriculum. Full disclaimer, I'm in three of their new videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Han, Dr. Miravalli, Dr. Bergsma, and me, and Mark Hartfield. Who the, doctor oh. yeah. <laughs> the doctor of love. Yeah. The doctor of love and suffering. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, having exclusively male things 
even if it's a spirituality thing, even if it's a men's Bible study, men's prayer group, uh, men's retreat, men's this, that can help people because also it's multi-generational. That can be a thing that gets over it. And you have to do things on the retreat. You can't just take one model of a retreat and do the same thing for men and women. And I think the men, the male core team on our like acts, if you have acts or road to Emmaus, journey to Damascus, search, you know, they're all the same thing, right? Um, variation. I shouldn't say they're all the same thing. They're very. Oh, they're going to be so mad. They're going to be so mad that. that I just said that. Variations <laughs> on a common theme. But they hit something. Like the majority of men that go are middle aged men who have no Catholic community. And within one weekend, they're given community. They hear incredible testimonies. Um, they're, the acts can be light on the charisma, depending on your core team. But the they hear all that, and then they are exposed to the Catholic tradition. They pray the rosary. They do sages of the cross. They have these elements contained within them that are very, very beautiful, just like the Curcio retreats that it was born from. And so those things expose men to like, yeah, this isn't a woman's thing because I'm surrounded by a hundred men who are all doing the same thing. Right. And if you encounter, if you have a real, honest, spiritual awakening, encounter, conversion, whatever, in those contexts, it obliterates seemingly overnight church is a female thing yeah yeah so i guess like what you're saying i guess if i had to sum it up is in the beginning it's not a bad idea to circle the wagons a little bit Mm -hmm. like figure out who you have on your side i think that's a good idea Mm -hmm. i think that's a good idea and i think one of the things is men are influencers of other men so find the guy find that guy right that can do both Uh, i i have a few of those guys you know that are just um, they're well respected, and so if I can win them over to my ideas, right, uh, or to Jesus, sorry, if I can win them <laughs> over, right, then I know that then I know that they're going to be powerful in winning other men over. But I think, I think you're on the right track. I really do. Um, yep. And and I will say this, Dante, uh, be ready for. I don't know where you live or where you are or what your community is like, but be ready for a little bit of blowback for. A p- pitching masculine events because I was murdered when I started to talk about doing cigars and saints by by fellow really? evangelists. Oh, they, I was like, I mean, it was awful. Yeah, I was sent emails. How dare you promote tobacco use? How dare oh, yeah. you do this? I mean, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's so you know, just ripping into the whole masculinity idea, which I'm not. I'm not that guy. So it's like it didn't. You know, yeah. I thought it was funny that people were attacking me, but but um. But it just so just, you know, know that you're doing the right thing and, and go ahead and keep reaching out. And it might be that God has put this on your heart, you know, that God has said, like, uh, to do this. And so start praying for more men to join you in that, because I really do believe that um, it like right now, there's a lot of guys I, I can tell you anecdotally, at least a lot of guys who say. Uh, I just have nothing in common with any man or particularly the priest at the church. And so we, we, you want to make sure that you present like, you know, uh, uh, that you are a well, well respected and that you respect other men and their and their manhood. Right. And that you also are totally and completely in love with Jesus Christ. And what does that mean to be a man who's totally head over heels in love with Jesus? You know, uh, that you can model that for them and, and they'll they'll see it and they'll they'll start to come along. Don't you think? I do. I do. And you know what? Part of. You know, right now we're in a crisis of masculinity. Cardinal Ratzinger in like the late 80s, I think, or maybe early 90s, gave an address on the crisis of the 20th century. And he said it's a crisis of masculinity. 
or no, no, no. Let me rephrase it. It's the crisis of fatherhood. Right. And he said, and he goes through the list of the major kind of cultural things that were happening. And, you know, like abortion, denying the fruit of fatherhood and all of these different things that you don't really think about. And the other day I was listening to this guy give a, a give a talk and he said, and I thought this was powerful. He wasn't doing this from a Christian context. The guy's not a Christian. The guy who was interviewing him wasn't a Christian. But he said, all men have an implicit desire to father other men. And I was like, what? Or to be fathered if they're not there yet. And he said, yeah. this is why having a mentor is so important. But how do you get a mentor today? Like right. so many people, unless you join Qantas Key Club, right? Qantas Educating Youth or, um, you know, these like formal organizations, the idea of mentors is so rare. Like marriage prep, we got sponsor couples. They're basically mentor couples. But it becomes so difficult for people to see, like, how do I live the Christian life when this all just seems like it's in my head, you know? Right. And then when they don't have, when they don't see the priest approximating their life or you don't have deacons, like we have, we're blessed that we have uh, incredible deacons at our parish and our deacons are very involved in all levels of stuff. And so between the priests and the deacons, right, they see this, they see people, they see men engaged in their faith and we have a huge men's group. I mean, over 500, 600 men and women have gone through our acts retreat. So we have a community of people who have gone on consent and, and you can meet all different types of people who said this changed my life you take one man from that group and you put them on a prison retreat yeah they will never be the same uh that's awesome yeah that's awesome another thing i would say is um i want you to i want you to start to consider options for offering things that um men might not want to come to, but they know they desperately need. So for instance, a pornography addiction support group, um, men who are going through very rough times in their marriage, those kinds of things, support groups for that. Uh, there are a lot of men who say like, you know, I, I would never come to a religious thing, but I knew I had to get this out of my life. Okay. Um, and it, cause it, it is an issue. And I, I've been thinking about this later. In fact, I talked to Gomer before we started the show, about doing an episode on sin and discipleship because um, it's something that we don't deal with, to be honest with you, right? Like we, we evangelization is a, is a hot topic now, which is awesome. But when you introduce someone to Jesus Christ, we have to give them the ability to follow him. <laughs> and so we have to have, we have to deal with sin. And I'm not saying that we can just end it or deal with it in like a programmatic way, but it is a very hard it's a hard balance to walk when you are a new disciple and still struggling with serious sin. So offer things that you know men struggle with. Offer some some ways out, some pipelines. And uh, what you'll see is you'll get a lot of men just, just from that, just from that. Yeah, and with a lot of these topics, you got to tread very carefully, um, you know, because of the sensitive nature of, like, people just showing up, you know, like here's a porn addicts group, <laughs> you know, people are going to be hesitant right. to show up. So one of the strategies that I have done in the past, um, especially when I do speaking engagements is sometimes at parishes, they don't want it to be the regular guy giving the anti-porn talk to a men's group because they want the men to be there and not worried about being judged or someone's sure. going to remember. So I've done a lot of like anti-porn talks for men's groups. And uh, it's kind of framed around that, like, and if you want to know more, 
right. email, you know, and and then they can. So the, I would say if you're going to use outside speakers for anything in your parish, use them to be springboards and catalysts for other things that we want to connect men to. Um, another thing that I was thinking about is the role of Exodus 90. Exodus 90 has been somewhat controversial. And why? Why? Be- because of the, all the things of the, your cigar stuff. Why oh, are you focusing? Because it's like hyper-masculine? That, that is, it's not, but that's one of the things, right? Like, we need a male spirituality. It's like, how dare you? Now, wow, I that's did, really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I did Exodus 90, and I, I journeyed with a group of guys. Um, if you don't know, Exodus 90 is 90 days of uh, basically a spiritual reading of Exodus 90, or uh, the, the book of Exodus, coupled with disciplines and prayer routines that you do as a group. Um, a lot of sacrifices that some people think are extreme and absurd were like super common or known can you, as can you, real can you life. Give an example: can cold showers, example? no watching television for entertainment, no getting on the computer for entertainment, zero social media, no snacking um, okay. at all. Okay. You know, so all it's right. like it eliminates all like the stuff that we all acknowledge are can be unhealthy defaults. And I went okay. through it, and you go through it with a group of men. You're supposed to have a chaplain in your group that kind of oversees the spiritual side of things. You meet weekly for prayer and for face conversation and updating all the men on the struggles. And, uh, you know, they conceived a lot of it around pornography addiction because it's so rampant in our churches that right. they thought we need we need to stop just – we need to have this counseling – but you also need to do the spiritual stuff and doing yeah. these spiritual disciplines. And part of it is working out, doing a holy hour every day. Um, you could do a holy half hour, whatever. Um, do and they they sit, you get spiritual readings. They have an app or you can get a book and go through it. And I think it is very powerful. So the whole thing is this movement towards liberation. That's why they call it Exodus ninety. And okay. after and I'm an idiot because we started it like two weeks after Easter. So it was right after we did Lent, and then we go right back into it. Into it, yeah. Yeah, for 90 days instead of 40. But I can tell you, what I learned about myself in that was challenging the defaults that I set on myself, like the indulgences that I just drift into by default, and how that affects my family and my relationship with my wife and my relationship with the church. Like, it's my time. I want to watch TV. I want to, you know, veg out. I'm going to yeah, drink a beer. that's interesting. And it just challenged yeah. me on all of that. And when yeah, that hit sure. me, and when that hit me, um, you know, like you're not allowed to watch like YouTube for entertainment. So I said, okay, what's one area I'm really weak on in my life right now, in my in my in my fatherhood, in my you know my role as a husband and all this stuff. And it's my finances. Like I didn't have a big plan for my finances. I just knew to make more than I spent. So I watched all of these financial videos. I did some Dave Ramsey stuff. All this stuff. And got my entire financial house in order before COVID-19 came and, and, and smashed us. And it was a night and day difference that I never would have done. I never would have so, done. So you're saying that So you normally would have watched more entertaining YouTube stuff and you switched oh, yeah. it for something. Okay, this is cool. This is, yeah, this like, is awesome. And you talk to the men like, hey, I don't, I don't know enough about uh, Roth IRAs and 401ks and I don't know enough about that so and you go to the group and you say like I want your permission to do this thing and they're what? like okay okay yeah because wow. the idea is they're trying to hold you accountable to the fast but wow. there are reasons that you need to break from that you know yeah. it's like th- this is my reason this is my scope I want to do a deep dive here and I can tell you as a group of guys going through these things 
having to openly admit how much you stink at it and having a deacon that sat there with us as our chaplain, it was eye-opening. And you're doing things like praying the rosary, meditating on scripture, going and visiting our Lord in the Eucharist, that the men who never did any daily liturgy whatsoever started going to mass, started a devotion, started taking their kids to adoration. Cool. You know, like it totally is a game changer for many men. And a lot of people complain about, you know, it could be divisive or it's over the top with the disciplines. And I think the over the top comment is a a total cop out lie. Yeah. None of none of what you said seemed. Yeah. Oh, no. Only three meals a day. Right. right. I mean, some people, some people uh, with your metabolism, uh, like there was one guy who. Oh, he he like just totally sluggish and he has something going on or whatever it might be. So we're like, yeah, you can have a snack like we don't care. Just make it healthy. <laughs> you know, like you just it's not a dumb like people just approach it with such a, with a such a um, like a black and white stupidity that even <laughs> rules. They give you all these. The thing that Gomer's not telling you is that they said he could have a snack, but everyone in the room got to punch him in the arm first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can that's, have a snack. It's like a fraternity. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Well, that's cool. I mean, I've heard of guys taught doing it and I just, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I never did it. I, I'd like to try it now that hearing what you yeah. just said. Yeah. Parishes are doing it as an initiative. Like men, let's do Exodus. If you've never done anything, sign up for a group. It's super simple. You can meet once a week, once every two weeks. And just go for 90 days. And a lot of guys are like, nope. <laughs> you kick yeah. it off in a January because you want it to end around Easter. And it becomes this insanely intense Lent. And it's yeah. awesome. It it, re- it kicked off. So many men tell me that it kicks off their return to the Friday fast of meat. Do you know Do you know what, man? Do you know what? that? This is something we didn't talk about during this episode. Men, even if they don't seem like it, which they don't. <laughs> they they want to be challenged. Yeah. Like men want a challenge, you know? And I think just the human heart wants a challenge, yeah. you know? Um, I think one of the most annoying times when we were at Franciscan, you and I, was when everybody was reading Wild at Heart. <laughs> because because I was thinking was about like, that right when you were saying like, that. Go like on. every like everyone yeah. in the church, like everything in the church, I hated the people surrounding it so much but i loved the book so like when i read the book i got a lot out of it but i did not like the way other people interpreted it you know but one of the things that book is just like the idea of a challenge and adventure and i will say this that it works with my kids like it works with my boys they Mm -hmm. love the challenge we're doing did i tell you this we're doing taekwondo class during the summer i'm teaching yeah you mentioned that last week and we do we do an end of the class challenge and I'll literally say like, okay, what if there was a fire in the house and we had to get out? And so I get a 20-pound kettlebell and we do an Indian an Indian run. And of course, we have Max who can't walk and we have Luisa who can't walk. So we have to get everybody out of the house and see how fast we can do it. They love it's their favorite part of the of the class. They love the challenge. That and they love so to try funny. and beat it the next the next week and stuff. Yeah. That yeah, is so funny. Cool. And it, and it is true. Like there's a quote from Wild at Heart that there's two quotes that always stuck out to me. He said, uh, I always wanted to play the night. I just never wanted to bleed like one. And I feel like that's men oh, right now. There's yeah. an arrested development for men. And I don't know why, you know, people can, you can blame all sorts of cultural things and the rise of feminism and a blah, blah, blah. I don't care. But there is this notion of just having a men's group is offensive and you shouldn't do that and all that stuff. So, there is an arrested development, and we know this for a fact. Eighteen to twenty-five year olds, there is a huge arrested development of men. Right. 
right. a, a fleeing from responsibility, right. an indulgent in bacchanal after bacchanal. College just becomes, you know, a drunk fest for so many young men. And you have people like a very polarizing figure, Jordan Peterson, whose whole message is wake up, make your bed, stand up straight. Yeah. And yeah. take on, take responsibility for something. Right. And right. all these men come to him and they, you know, it's like 60% of his audience is men, 40% women. And they all say the same thing, which is, oh my goodness, I had no idea this is this is what was missing out of my life. And so you have these, um, but there's a, a corrective line in Wild at Heart that I loved that I feel like some people missed. He said, every man wants uh, a battle to fight, a beauty to rescue, and an adventure to live. Right, I can't okay. believe I rattled those off. It's been like twenty. Wow, years. that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, America. Uh, so <laughs> every man wants these three things. He said, but here's the deal about a beauty to rescue: women want to go on the adventure with men. Right. The right. problem is men make getting the beauty the adventure, the adventure, and yeah. then they get her, and then they get married, and then the thrill is gone. Right. It's for gone. because not because the woman is less thrilling, but because the man's adventure was to, to, to get her. And I thought that was so awesome. And, and this goes back to my thing that I was just saying. You can't have Catholicism inside your head. That's not where it belongs. It belongs in changing the world. It belongs, yeah. you know, in our in our lives, the way it belongs on our calendar. Right. Like it's right. not just about a bunch of thoughts that I've been thinking and then I talk about them with the group. So that's why there are so many things, like even within Exodus 90, That Man Is You, all these different things they say, do social outings, go on a hike, uh, take your boys with you and take your kids with you, take your wife with you, go on a date night and do it as a group or you know, pair up with right. some of the guys. Do something kinetic, I think is another right. thing. Do you know what um, what happened one time at <laughs> my old parish? You know, I, I, I don't know if you remember this about me, but before I started speaking, I had to work as a bouncer to make extra money. Do you yeah. remember that? You, well, we've yeah, talked about it on the okay. show. Yeah. 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 And at Franciscan, I used to sneak out on weekends and work as a bouncer sometimes. I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't want to be judged. But but um, one time, uh, you know, there was one place that I worked that was really close to my parish. It was called Shenanigans. And it was so it was so awful. It was the worst place. Oh, it's not as bad as some bars you and I have been to, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> Is that where um, you got a beer bottle to the head? No, 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 no. Good. No, this Good. was. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's right. That was it. Well, I, I can't remember. Um, I got a beer bottle to that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but anyways, uh, I was doing an event for for the parents for the CCD parents, and um, I went to the bathroom and was in a stall. Sorry, kind of personal here. And I heard one dad say to the other dad as they were washing their hands, like, "I'm pretty sure that guy is the bouncer from Shenanigans." And the other guy was like, "No, he's like some weeny church guy." And I remember thinking like, <laughs> wow, that's the, so that's what they yeah. think, you know, is like the weenie church guy. And it was just the fact that I work for the church. That's it. Yeah. You know, so there is kind of like a, you're going to have to cross a barrier for a lot of men for yeah. sure. Which yeah. is why it's always helpful when you're doing strategies and tactics and stuff. It's always helpful to have people who don't work for the church because it's easy to be dismissed whether you're a layman or not. Oh, that's fine for you. You work for the church. Be gone. Be gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Dante, do you feel like we're we're helping you out here um, when it comes to men's groups uh, or evangelizing men? Smaller is typically better. Um, one on one within the context of life generally is better because you're already engaging in something. Um, I'm trying to summarize stuff. You can do things with men in uh, or it, it can be encouraged in parishes to do a male specific thing because that might take some of the anxiety 
off this stuff. Whenever I do, here's a tactic for you. Whenever I do a men's thing, I always start off by saying, now don't worry. I'm not going to make you share your feelings. I hate sharing my feelings. No one's going to hug you. And in my parish, I'm known as the guy that doesn't hug people. I have really pushed that reputation out there because I don't like hugging other men, especially ones I don't know. Um, and my ex community, they joke with me all the time. They love hugging. You can't get, you can't turn in a form to join the retreat yeah. without six guys hugging you. Hey brother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing with that is like, there are guys that have that notion. This is touchy feely squishy. Right. Uh, you know, this is, this is not, this is puny. This is weenie. And then you have someone that gets up and is like, this is, you know, this is what we're not going to do. And it's like, Oh, so you want to touch point, uh, have some touch points on their anxieties too. What what are the prejudices and barriers for them to come and address those immediately? Hated sharing your feelings, me too. Come to this men's group and let's learn more about the gospel or something like that. Like it, you got to think these things out because it's not just the content; it's the context. I feel like if someone, some people are going to listen to this episode and think that we're like super chauvinistic. Do you think that? No. no, 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 because no one would ever think that about me. No, well, do you know what's funny is if they because ever of my... our, if they ever met our wives, then yeah. they would realize like, oh no, they're not. They're they're like they married. My my wife is more into sports than I am. My yeah. wife can Everyone rattle off. Calmer. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. My <laughs> wife, like, she comes down the stairs after taking a nap. She set her alarm, even though she was dead tired. Set her alarm for the beginning of the NASCAR race. That is so funny. That is so funny. I love it. I love my Uh, little muffin. But Dante, you're in the right place. Uh, Getting men will help everything at your parish. Getting more men involved will help everything at your parish. Uh, Pray first. Be an example next. And then talk about your outreaches, what you're going to do. And be very strategic, like Gomer said. And and let us know how it's going. And we can check back in and, and, and maybe tweak some things as well. All right, when we come back, we are going to give you the five practical takeaways. But before we do, we want you to listen to this wonderful message from our sponsors, our good fine folks at Ascension Press. Imagine this, you're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets ask you, Have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford, and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new Great Adventure Bible Study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. Romans, the Gospel of Salvation is available for pre-order right now and for purchase on September 1st, 2019. To order, visit ascensionpress.com. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. I hope that uh, you were able to get some some benefit from the the previous part of the episode talking about men's ministry. Uh, I also hope that if you've been blessed by this podcast, you'll bless us back and and give us a good review. 
Uh, also, if you have any questions at all, please never forget, you know, we're always available and oftentimes we're answering these emails right away. I know Gomer answers them pretty quickly, much more quickly than I do. Um, but you can email us any questions you have at EKSB at ascensionpress.com. That's EKSB at ascensionpress.com. Now we're going to go into our five practical takeaways. And number one is this, it's our community building thing. If you're a man, okay, these are going to be for men. Sorry, ladies out there, okay, but uh, these are going to be for men. Um, have just plan right away, right now. Reach out to a friend, uh, an acquaintance, a work, uh, a, a you know, acquaintance, something like that, and just uh, invite him out for coffee or beer, whatever your choice is, okay, and just to start to build community, right? To build that trust and to kind of build relationships. Men are, are not that good at building relationships anymore. So just build a friendship uh, over coffee, over a beer, whatever you want to do. Uh, number two, I would look into Exodus 90 or a similar men's program and maybe schedule a meeting with your pastor and talk about how we can put it into the parish calendar, incorporate it um, as a parish event, something that that is broadcast wider for the whole community. Awesome. Number three, we talked about half secular events. Uh, think about half secular events, but but most of all, what we want to do is kind of come up with a plan for the transition, right? Because as Gomer said, you don't want them to stay half secular events. You don't want it to stay just a a worldliness with a splattering of the gospel. What we want to do is is make sure that those those events transition into actual evangelization, into a call to discipleship. So come up with a plan, a strategy on how you could do that for some of these events. All right, number four, this is prayer time, folks. Let's all intercede for men who do not have a father or father figure in their lives. Uh, most of the men that I do ministry with in prison are entirely fatherless. They got brothers in their gang, but never fathers. And so let's intercede for them. Let's pray for them. Um, and then maybe uh, pray for the boldness to become a father figure in someone else's life. Awesome. All right, number five, attend a men's event at your parish or at your in your area, uh, and go and see if maybe you, there's a community there that you don't know about. Attend a men that you don't know of and that you really need. Attend uh, maybe an axe retreat, maybe an Emmaus retreat, a men's group, any of these things. Exodus ninety group, do something like that, right? And to and really try to uh, find that community that you need. Yeah, so that is our five practical takeaways. Brothers out there who feel like they are the only man in the church, uh, just remind yourself, you are not alone, and you might be the key that Christ uses to unlock the doors of many other men's hearts. So be open, be willing to let the Holy Spirit use you to evangelize. I'm Mike Gormley, joined by Dave Van Vickle. We will be living large here next week. God bless you all. God bless.